Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. So today we're going to kick off a series entitled Good Vibes. Now I grew up in Daytona Beach, Florida, right? That surfboard is mine. Don't be laughing, I'm telling you, that surfboard is mine. Now let me explain to you why that surfboard you should know is mine. So if I take that out down at Ponce Inlet this summer and paddle out with all those little 15-year-olds got those trick boards and they weigh about 120 pounds, they're going to look at me and think, oh dear God, he's going to die. And then they can actually see I do know how to surf. It's just a lot more surfing than it used to be. That is a nine and a half foot long board from Stewart Boards. You know why you need that? Because that is what we call extra flotational devices. But when you get, thank you very much. I'm trying to preach, somebody's wearing me out. Rick, way to go, buddy. So when you're out there and the sun's going down, and you're sitting with your feet in the water on the board. And man, it's not as hot as it was earlier in the day and the, the waves have kind of calmed down and the sea is getting a little smooth and you just sit there. And the jetties to your left, and wide open beaches to your right. And you sit there and think, man, if life could be like this right here, it'd be good. You got all those good vibes going. For some of you, sitting by a mountain stream, can't imagine why you'd want that, but I, so I get it. You know, y'all like that stuff. For some of y'all, it's taking a ride to see the leaves in the fall. What in the world? I can see that in Sugar Hill. But you get good vibes, right? Everybody I know has got some kind of vibe about it. I know folks in my life, and the vibe that they kind of give off is they're just angry. They're mad at everything. I mean, they're mad at the government. They're mad at education. They're mad at their parents. They're mad at, they're, they're just angry people. Don't y'all know people like, they're just, they're just angry. They just exhaust you. I know other folks that they're just needy. I mean, their vibe that they give off is, oh, I mean, every time you see them, you give them a million dollars, and within 30 seconds, you know, be, oh, I wish it had been more. <laughs> I got other folks, the happy people, when you see them, they're just like, how are you? And I'm thinking, don't do that to me. <laughs> I got other, they, they got a hugger vibe. You know what I'm talking about? Folks just, they got to hug you. I, I, don't, I don't really get that one, but okay. You know, it's like, we don't really know each other. Don't be doing that. No, do the sideway hug. I, I got other folks, they, they, got, they got a family vibe about them. I, I know folks who've kind of got a selfish vibe about them. I know folks that just, their vibe is just, they're just cool. I told the 930 crowd, one of my favorite people in this church is Bobby Reese. Bobby was a, was a state representative. He you know, was a pretty uptight dude there. And then when he got out, he said, forget this. And he grew a ponytail. Hair's all gray and a ponytail. That's my man right there. I mean, come on, that's great. Because Bobby's one of those guys, the vibe he puts off, every time I'm around him, is just like, man, it's just fun. It's good. Don't you want to attract the right kind of folks so that in your life, 
You know you got some good vibes that you're getting and some good vibes that you're sharing? Don't you want to know that throughout your life that you could actually stack up those good vibes and you could have more of them than the other? Don't you want to know that the folks you attract come from the vibe that you got going on because that vibe is going to determine your tribe. So if, if, if your vibe is a whiner, you're going to attract whiners. If your vibe is a gossip, you're going to attract gossipers. If your vibe is a gracious, gentle soul, you're going to have people want to hang out with you. If your vibe is the fact that you are always a loser, you'll never overcome. I'm not a victor. Then I'll promise you there are plenty that'll come around you and whine with you. But if your vibe is, I'm going to wake up in the morning. The Lord has given me this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. I am going to be more than a conqueror. I'm going to trust my Savior. I'm going to trust the fact that my Creator made something extraordinary out of me. I'm going to trust that He loves me. There's nothing I can do to not make Him love me. I am choosing today that I am going to have a vibe that's not just good. I'm going to have a vibe that's great. Let's go kill it. Now, for me, I want to wake up tomorrow morning on Monday and say, we're going to kill it. Let's get it done. But there might be a few keys to how you have a good vibe. Now, let me just stop and say, is there anybody in the room? And y'all got to be honest with me here. Because I think at 930, we had a few, you know, but I'm not sure they were listening. So they didn't know what. So listen carefully. Is there anybody here today that would say, Chuck, tomorrow morning, I want to be miserable. I do not want in on this good vibe. Anybody? So, so we're good. We're 100% we're all in, right? So watch this. If we're 100% all in, then I'm going to ask you to join me over the next 21 days. 21 days to good vibes in your life. Starting tomorrow morning, we're going to feed you through the Sugar Hill Church app, the only way you can get it. A daily aha, that's 21 good vibes. And it's going to follow kind of the path of today's teaching. And I'm going to invite you, would you go on this 21-day journey of good vibes with me on the Sugar Hill Church app? You're just going to open up. You're going to hit aha. And every day for 21 days, you're going to get the process of a good vibe. So let's jump in and take a look at what are we going to do to have a good vibe in our life. First, could I just say I want to encourage you to get up and get at it. I believe we need to have an intentionality to our day. Get up and get at it. I'm, I'm fearful that there were many years in my life that I just kind of got up. There was no intentionality to the morning. There's no intentionality to the process. And the minute I kind of formalized how I would do a morning routine, my life became extraordinarily different and all in a good way. And I want to encourage you, intentionally get up intentionally have a plan that you're going to take on good vibes. Don't wait for the morning to capture you. Get, get on up and capture the morning. I want to encourage you to get up and get at it. Now, I also want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to build some margin in your life. I want to desperately encourage you to build some margin in your life. I believe that a busy, hectic schedule is one of Satan's greatest tools in the life of a follower of Jesus. I believe one of the ways that Satan captures me and distracts me from walking with Christ, trusting Christ for all that he has for me, I believe my good vibes can be robbed and stolen from this one thing that I think Satan uses over and over and over in my life, and maybe yours, and that is this. We get gratification of being so busy, we can now busy everybody. I grew up in a home where if you said to my dad, if you said to my dad, man, I'm tired. You know what my dad would say? You don't know what tired is, son. And then he'd tell me. 
I grew up, I grew up in a place where, it, and I'm grateful, I'm glad I know how to work hard, but, but the fact is, I have been used by Satan at times when I didn't intentionally build any margin in for the presence and the power of God. There was no intentionality in my life to put God into the center of getting the right vibe for the day. Where it just kind of happened, it just kind of came about. Everybody I know that gives no intentionality to the things of God are the people that inevitably, not only do they have this bad vibe, they spread it and it is infectious and it's a disease. Because when we don't build margin, we never intentionally say to the Lord God, you are the most important thing in my life. And as a result, I am willing to take these 10 minutes, this 15 minutes, and I want to give it to you. But I know plenty of people who would sit here right now, many of you thinking right now, watching online or in here, what you're saying is, but Chuck, you don't know how busy I am. I don't have to. What I know is this, what we believe really matters gets done. Well, Chuck, I have to be in the office at six. Okay, knock yourself out. There's never a time you get a cup of coffee. There's never a time that you get a biscuit. There's never a time that you have 10 minutes. Well, Chuck, I'm just busy. My mind, I can't, I can't stop and I have a hard time focusing. Welcome to my world. I'm telling you, it's ADD, ADHD, ADOP. I don't know what I got, but I can tell you. The minute I sit down and try to get my life focused on things of God, squirrel! <laughs> Seriously. It's like it's, this brain, it does not work in a linear fashion. Like if you ever have a long conversation with me, which a long conversation with me is about four minutes. And so if you're ever in like the fourth minute and you think, is he listening? Let me just go ahead and tell you, no. I may have no idea what you're saying. Because when I close my eyes, man, I'm gone. But you know what I've learned when I intentionally ask the Lord to let me sit in his lap. I have a favorite chair at home. That's where I sit in my time of meditation. But it's intentional. I build margin in my life, and when I've determined I'm going to, every day, I'm going to set aside a time of meditation. I'm going to set a time for God. I'm going to make this happen. My day becomes extraordinary. First thing I want you to do is start with margin. The second thing, I want you to hit the reset button, and when you do that, hit the reset button that will enter into your life what I believe is maybe the most powerful thing in the Christian walk. Are you ready? Gratitude. What are you grateful for? Okay, now look right here. I've, I've, I've lost some of you already. But look right here, okay? If, if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. The day I took being grateful, serious, was the day my walk with Christ took a quantum leap. If I could, if I could instill, if I, if, if I could inject, if I could pour over you, if I could have some gas that you would inhale or some liquid I could spray on you that would call, cause each one of us to wake up tomorrow morning and be grateful to the degree that I would write down, I'm grateful for this. I believe this church would radically change. Our homes would radically change. Our marriages would radically change. Our relationship with our children, with our employees, with our bosses, with our communities, with our coaches, with our teachers would radically change. Because when you are grateful for what you have, what you have is more than enough. But when you're never grateful for what you have, you stay in the sight of bad, ugly vibes. I know folks that no matter what they have, it's got to be more. Now, let me say, I'm not talking about folks who are trying to climb a ladder and succeed. By all means, 
work hard, climb a ladder, be all you can be, kill it. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm, all I'm saying to you is this. My friend, listen, when you are grateful, your life changes. When you, before a holy and a righteous God, have the ability to identify this is what I'm grateful for, you can look to heaven and I promise you, the Lord your God, your heavenly Father is looking at you saying, that's my boy, that's my girl, look at them, they're grateful. I believe the Lord is dying for a handful of men and women who just choose to be grateful. I want you to get up and get at it. I, I want you to start your day with margin, with time for God. I want you to be able to be grateful for what you have. Listen to what the text says. I love this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in, in uh, verse 16 and 18, always be joyful. Okay, is that not what a, a, what a great opening line? Always be joyful. I mean, there, there's, there's no exit ramp to that one. There's no other way to take it. Always be joyful. Then listen, it gets better. Never stop praying. Margin and prayer. Can you see how those are hand in glove? Margin and prayer, hand in glove. Gratitude and prayer, hand in glove. We're starting to see now how the vibe is created in our life when the Spirit of God takes prayer and gratitude and joy and puts it all together. But listen, be thankful in all circumstances. This is the one that gives me the hardest the hard, hardest trouble. I, to be grateful in all circumstances? Jenny and I were talking this week. We were thinking about uh, back in 08 when the market crashed and we just kind of lost everything you could lose. We were talking about, we were remembering stories that were just awful. Some of y'all can, can relate to that. And it's just like, golly, everything was hard. Like making a choice, okay, do we, do we buy groceries or put gas in a car? Been there? How do, you, how do you get grateful for that? How, how in the world can I be thankful for that? You know how I can be thankful for that? I can look back. I know how bad it was. It helps me know how good it is. You ever been in one of those marriages where it was just a disaster and a war? That, that chapter's been changed. You've moved on and you started anew. You knew how bad it was and now you know how good it is. I look at this and I think to myself, the Lord is saying, always be joyful. Don't stop praying. That hand goes in that glove. This is what it is to be grateful and be thankful in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. God's desire for your life is that you would be thankful, prayerful, and joyful. That is a good vibe if I've ever heard one. Think about it. Prayerful, joyful, oh my goodness, grateful, thankful. This, I, I can't tell you what this will do for your spiritual life, if you'll choose to claim this text and decide, I'm going to start every day in a spirit of gratitude. Listen to what James says in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, let's just stop there and admit, we know what they smell like, don't we? I can smell them a while away. Trouble's coming, it's like, mm. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. Okay, at this point, you're thinking, James, you've been smoking a hymnal. Bro, really? Come on. In all these circumstances, in all of this problem, when troubles come, consider it opportunity for great joy. Did you hear that one word? Great joy. He even says, okay, when junk happens in your life, God the Father is going to show up. Jesus the Son is going to show out. The Spirit of God within you is going to well up. And when you do, you can look at the mess you're in, find great joy, have a good vibe, and then say, look what God did. 
You say, well, Chuck, I don't think I've ever felt that. Well, there's, a, there's a cure for that. The cure for that is to say, Jesus, I, I want to trust you with my life. Thank you for dying for me, raising from the dead for me. Thank you that you've promised heaven for me. Forgive me my sin. Come live in my life. I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you. And then you get all of this that comes with that vibe. But listen to the rest of the text. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. This is just like a runner. A runner is out there, and he's preparing for a marathon. And, and when those legs start burning, and he sweat all he can sweat, and his feet are exhausted, and his calves are cramping up, it is in that point when he's building endurance. He's not building endurance walking from the Barca lounger to the sofa over to the refrigerator. I mean, that, we're not growing endurance there. We're just growing some, you know what I'm saying? But now watch this. When he's hurting the most is when he's growing the most. What James is saying is when these times happen in your life, stop trying to pray them away. Stop find, start finding joy in them. Find where God is doing the work in them. Follow that process, and you then will have endurance that is fully developed. And listen to this, and you'll be perfect and complete. And say these last two words with me. Needing nothing. Say it one more time. Needing nothing. You say, well, Chuck, listen, we got a long way to go. That's a lot of endurance for me to not need anything. It didn't say what you want, it's what you need. You know, my want list is ridiculous. My need list is pretty short. When I think about all of this, I think to myself, when you're grateful, the Lord shows up in such an incredible way. I want to ask you on the front end, get up and get at it. Secondly, I want to ask you to choose the high road. All day long, Satan wants to do one of two things in your life. He either, A, wants to rob you of your joy by overwhelming your mind. And I see people like this all the time, where you say to them, how are you doing? Man, I'm just exhausted. I'm busy. Man, I'm busy. I'm exhausted. Man, well, you, know, you know how it is. got to go here. got to go there. i got to take my kid to baseball, and then we got to take my other kid to cheerleading, and then i got to get home because if, if the guy who's fixing the washer didn't get it today, then we're going to have to go to the laundromat. And by the way, my boss needs me to work till 10 tonight, and i got a presentation tomorrow. Oh, and I'm trying to be healthy and work out, and i got a tennis match. You need to take care of the kids. And the church needs you to work in the preschool department. And you know what you do when you hear that? Oh, my stars. There's got to be a better way than this. Wouldn't you agree? There's got to be a better way. Choose the high road. You know how the second way that Satan, I, I, I think, wants to attack us? I think he wants to distract us from being all God has designed us to be with sinful options and apathy. A church like this, I mean, you think about it. We don't have fights and fumes and fusses going on about, about money or music or, or chapels or steeples or signs or colors of carpet or all the other junk that most churches gripe about. You know what our greatest, you know our, our greatest challenge might be ahead of us? Apathy. You know, things are good. Life's okay. But, you know, I did a funeral Friday for a family that never saw death coming didn't have a solid faith factor built in there on, on, in all of the family. And, and at that funeral, one of the things that I, that I was able to convey, and I would say it to everybody, the one thing I know that when we take the high road, we would all give this one statement, whatever you do, don't miss heaven. On the way home from the funeral, Dr. Gresham called me from Lanier, and he said, Chuck, there's a, 
There's a family over at North Gwinnett that needs, needs help desperately. And I, I, know, I know that they're, they're not really in our, our space, but could you help them? It's like, yeah, man, that's our neighborhood. Absolutely. Give me the number. We called a single mom. Got a real challenge. Got some real needs. And you know what I said to her? I said, do they have to be paid today or can we take care of it Monday? She said, oh, we can take care of it Monday. I said, well, here's what I need you to do. Bundle up all of those utility bills. Bring them to the church. And we'll take care of them for you so that you and your family don't have to do that while your kid's going through dialysis without a dad in the home, without any money in the bank. You say, well, Chuck, you probably should have checked with a committee on that. Are you on crack? <laughs> Think about it. God has placed this church in the middle of this city to do great works with good vibes to minister to people who desperately need help. Let us never grow weary in serving people. Let us never grow weary in being more concerned about what we do out there than what we do in here. Let us never grow weary in trying to make sure that what we do out there makes far more difference than what we do in here. Let us never get tired of that. This is a church that must look at this and take the high road. Well, how do you take the high road, Chuck? Well, let's see what Matthew said in his gospel, chapter 11, beginning of verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Sound familiar? You, you got a few burdens? You got, you got a few things you're weary of? I, I don't know anybody that doesn't have this somewhere in their life. I don't know anybody who would say, yeah, I've got no care in the world. Listen to what he said, and I'll give you rest. Now watch this. If you picture Jesus as your favorite chair, maybe your chair is one of those lazy boys that when you sit in it, you kind of sink a little bit. It's kind of curved perfectly around your hind parts. You kick it back and you're just right because if it's right, then your cold drink right here, you just do this. You don't really have to move. Are you with me? It's like when the first part of the ball game is on, you're going to watch this game, but at about pitch number four, you're sleeping. Are you with me? That chair, if that is the rest that Jesus offers, that chair is not going to chase you down and throw it in it. That chair is waiting for you to rest in it. Jesus is waiting on you to lay back and rest in his arms. Jesus is waiting on you to take the high road. Jesus is saying, you come with me, I'll give you rest. Listen to what he says. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You've heard me say this before. A yoke is what a rabbi believed was the teaching of the law. Jesus, as he began his ministry, was a rabbi. And he said, the yoke, what I believe about the Bible, what I believe about the Old Testament, what I believe about the books of Moses, what I believe about the Torah, all that I believe is summed up in love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love others as you love yourself. And nothing else matters unless you do those two things. If you're going to take the high road, Jesus is saying, take that way on. This is light. You can do this. It's not hard. You're not layering problems on top of you when we choose to build margin into our life, when we choose to get up and get at it, when we choose to determine that we're going to take the high road, we are choosing Jesus. I want to rest in you. Now, you can run to the arms of Jesus. You, you can leave him with all your junk and find rest for your soul, peace for your life, new mercies every single day. 
But listen to what one of the wealthiest, wisest men that ever lived said as he wrote this in Proverbs chapter 13. He said, the one who has contempt for instruction will pay the penalty, but the one who respects a command will be rewarded. A wise man's instruction is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous never changes. Every sensible person acts knowledgeably, but a fool displays his stupidity. Now you say, well, Chuck, what does that have to do with taking the high road. Are you ready? Two things. One, the statement is giving us a picture that if we're going to be wise, we're going to receive our wisdom from on high. Number two, if we're going to be wise, we're going to recognize we don't know everything there is to know about everything. And this is why one of the biggest things I could give to you, what a gift. Love Jesus with all your heart. Don't be weird. Just love Jesus with all your heart. Just don't be a wacko about it. Stop trying to scare people into heaven. Just love folks. Just love Jesus. Be normal. Doesn't that, doesn't that, come on. That's got to be something that you agree with. Because how many of us know that one person that you, the minute you're with him, is like ducking cover because they pulled the pen on a Bible verse and lobbed it at you? Are you with me? Turning away from the snares of death. Good sense wins favor. Where do I find that? Well, text after text in Scripture says, if this is where I'm going for my wisdom, I'm going to receive it. Now you say, well, Chuck, I read Jesus' calling. Okay. But have you been in Scripture? Well, Chuck, you understand. Oswald Chamber, done it for 17 years in a row, never missed a day. Go for you. Have you been in the Word of God? But Chuck, I, you understand, I read Ann Voskamp every, every day on her blog. Awesome, she's great. Have you read the Word of God? If you're going to take a high road, it's going to be there. We're never going to stop learning. And finally, I want to ask you, if we're going to do this, we're going to have good vibes, I'm going to ask you to get in the gutter. I'm going to ask you to get your hands dirty and get in the gutter. I want to ask you to take real life when it is happening and get dirty. Be willing to serve. Serve others. Serve your family. Serve your church. Serve your community. Wherever you're at, serve. Be keenly aware to your environment. Who could I serve? Who must I serve? How can I help? Everywhere a follower of Jesus goes, God is wanting to use a way of service to grow you and prepare you for all he wants you to be. But most of us, either from apathy or busyness, cannot stop and be aware of what is around us. One of my favorite stories was a few weeks ago, I was between services and I walked out to say hey to Norm Quadra and the other folks that were out there uh, greeting folks, and this lady kind of found me. I must have that kind of preacher radar with the mic on on Sunday, you know? And she found me, and here's what she said. My family's in a mess. We need help. Can you help? And, and I kind of took her by the arm and I walked her in. I thought, dear Lord, I've got to preach in a minute. What are we going to do here? And my eyes locked on to Dina Thigpen. And I thought to myself, if anybody in the world will help somebody, Dina, Thig Dina, Dina Thigpen will. So I walked over and said, Dina, you got any money in your purse? Yeah. I said, okay, I got to go preach and I got to do church. Would you care for this lady? She didn't just care for her then. She followed up on Monday when she got the office to follow up on them. Now you can say, well, Chuck, you know what? That lady probably hit every church that week and probably made more money than you did. Guess what? It's not my problem. 
It's, it's, my, my challenge is to follow what Jesus said to do. When people are in need, serve them. When people are hurting, help them. When people need a roof, build it. When people need food, get it. You see, as a church, we've got to stop and say, let's get our hands dirty. Let me stop. I want to make sure you hear me say this. When you start trying to help people, stuff's going to go wrong. You're going to get burnt. It's going to get ugly. Somebody's going to get mad at you. Somebody's going to question your motivation. It's going to happen. But according to Paul, when those things happen, that's hand in glove. When you serve, you're taking the high road. When you serve, you're in the gutter. When you serve, you're grateful for what you have to the degree that you'll give it to someone else. You say, well, Chuck, all that's real, real good, but can you, can you help me a little bit of what's going on here? Where Listen to what Matthew says in chapter 11. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Isn't that beautiful? Just go back and think about that. If you got that mess, come on. And then the text moves over into the book of the Acts. And, and, and Acts says in chapter 20, verse 30, 35, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You say, well, Chuck, okay, that's good. I knew you'd get about money or giving. I, I'm not talking about that yet, but let me give you another one just in case that's not good enough. Mark chapter 9, verse 35. He sat down, speaking of Jesus, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Now think about that. Jesus said, you want to be, you want to be the, the star? Be the servant. You, you, you want the, the Lord of hosts to look at you and say, now that, that's my child? Serve the least of these. Jesus says, I'm going to turn this world right side up and those that consider themselves last, they'll be first. And those that consider themselves first, they're in trouble. But listen, let me take it one more step further. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing, listen to this, if we don't give up. Which means it's not going to be easy. It's not, it's, this, is not, this is not for the faint of heart. If the goal is to become the biggest church in the city, we will forget that we are to be the church with the largest heart in the city. If you're so busy trying to keep people in the building, you will make that your focus, and you will forget that people outside the building desperately need the Christ that's in their heart. And this is why we're called to get dirty. Because if we won't quit, there is a harvest of blessing, especially when it's difficult and we don't give up. And then Jesus the Lord said this about serving others. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, he said this, It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Oh, listen, friend. The good vibe here is found in gratitude in taking the high road where Scripture is at the heart and we're resting in the power of Jesus and serving in the gutter where folks need it the most. My life can attest to Paul's words that I've had little and I've had much. And I've learned the hard way that truly the ability to do all things through Christ is waiting on us. But now we love to quote that. We love to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But we forget that what came right before that 
is the prerequisite. Are you ready? You want the very key to good vibes? You want to be able to take a look and over the next 21 days, you know, gratitude and the high road and, and serving people and getting together. Listen to this one thing. Before you can claim and before the scriptures claim, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You know what the prerequisite was? This is what Paul said. I've learned to be content with little or with much. What came behind that then was, that's why I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because I am content and grateful, and my vibe is, Lord, I am yours. You have paid for me. If we're to become all that God has in store for us, if we're going to become the church that the Lord Jesus has longed for us to be, we can never grow So I want you to take one or two of these, and I want you to take this magnet, put it on your fridge for the next 21 days. Take a dry erase marker and determine as an individual, as a couple, maybe, maybe as a family, my declaration for good vibes today is, or I'm grateful for. And it's a reminder to open up that app every day for 21 days and determine I'm going to live my life in a sense of I am not going to be like the rest of the world. I am going to claim the power and the presence of Jesus in my life this day. It's going to start with gratitude. I'm going to stay on the high road. I'm going to serve others. And when I do, he's going to pour his richest blessings onto me. 21 days, my friend. Will you join me? Father, thank you. Thank you for the joy and the privilege and the honor of being able to serve you and love you and worship you. You have no rival. You have no equal. You alone are God. God, would you speak into our life, cause us to plan this evening to have an intentional time with you tomorrow morning. That, God, we, we'd be able to say this is what we're grateful for. We'd be able to read this is what you're telling me in Scripture. And we'd be able to be recognizant and be sensitive to how you want to use us to serve people tomorrow. God, I, I, I pray every single person and the families they represent would choose to have 21 days of good vibes found in you. Lord, you are a great and a mighty God. It is in your name that we pray all these things. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.